Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Awesome. So we are continuing our study uh, to the letter to the Romans. Romans. Yes. Last week, Christus shared and he looked at Romans 2 verse 1 to 16. And it is good to refresh our memories a bit. So who would like to share something that they can remember from last week? Just one, one thing that comes to your mind from last week. I've got time. They believe they believe that they they spoke but they got they didn't put God out of their hands. Amen. They suppressed suppressed the knowledge of God, amen. Anyone else? Something that stood out to you from last week? For not knowing God. Verse 11 also says here, For God does not show favoritism. Mm. He's yeah. not favor one more than the other. Yeah. He's just. <coughs> Amen. There's no nation that He prefers over another, yeah. another nation. Amen. He loves all people and wants all men to come yes. to Him. Yes. And it was, um, it was, I think it was Stephen that says that um, he was mentioning about eternal life is seeking and knowing Jesus. Mm. Um, Amen. And it is found it is found in relationship with God. Yes. So, <coughs> yeah. Thank we you for sharing. We have eternal life because we have chosen received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Yes. Awesome. <coughs> so open up your Bibles to Romans. If I had to choose a key verse from the portion of scripture that uh, Chris has shared last week, it would be Romans 2 verse 4. Romans 2 verse 4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin?" God's kindness is intended to turn us from our sins. God's desire is that no one would perish. His desire is for everyone to have life. But despite His desire to bring an end to this age and make new the whole creation, because there is going to be a day that that's going to happen. eh? God is going to make new the whole creation. 
He waits, kind and, he waits kindly and patiently, tolerating this world, so that as many people as possible, as many souls as possible, would hear the gospel and turn to faith in Him. Mm. No? It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't, can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Why is He patient? Why is He tolerant? What is He waiting for? Romans 8 verse 18 Romans 8 verse 18 Romans 8 verse 18 says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But we, uh, sorry, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So when Adam sinned, when sin came into the world, it was not just human beings that were affected. No? The whole creation, it says, is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who His children really are. The world that we live in has become a fallen world because of the sin and death that came into it um, and affected everything. All of creation is affected by death and decay. There we go. But there comes a day, the scripture promises, that God will take away death and decay. No? Sickness, death, suffering, all of that will be taken away with. God wants that to happen. No? But, what do we see in Romans, uh, Romans 2 verse 4? God wants to restore the creation. But He is waiting. He is waiting patiently. For you and for me and for every person out there to know Him. <coughs> because like I said, He wants all people to come to Him. Amen? Okay, Romans 2 verse 4 in the King James Version says that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. <coughs> the goodness of God is revealed to us where? Where is the goodness of God revealed to us? In the Word. In the Word? I want more specific. Yes, in His death, burial, and resurrection. In the Gospel. Yes, God's goodness is revealed to us in the Gospel. The good news. That makes sense, no? It says the goodness of God leads you to repentance. So where else will we find the goodness of God than the good news? <laughs> you know? In the Word, yeah. The good news, the Gospel. It is the message through which eternal life is given to everyone who believes. And it is by faith from start to finish. That takes us to our first key verse that we looked at in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed... Of the gospel of Christ. 
for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. That is so wonderfully simple. Huh? It is so simple, so easy. God has made it so easy for us to receive eternal life. He is giving it away free. That just shows us God's heart for us, God's desire for us to have it. For the Jews first and also for the Greek, verse 17, for in it, in it, in what? In the gospel, yes, the righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness of God, how to be made right with God, is revealed in it, in the gospel. Ne? And it is from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's so awesome. But what do we need to believe? And I, Emily, you said it earlier. Romans 1 verse 3. Romans 1 verse 3. It says, the good news is about his son. His earth, in his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. And he was shown to be the son of God. When he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. That's awesome. Amen. What we need to believe. The revelation of God's goodness is this, that God became a human being. His name was Jesus. And it is proven that He was God when He rose from the dead. That is the point that Paul is making there in Romans 1 verse 3. The resurrection of Christ proved that Jesus was God, that He really was all of the claims that He made about Himself. Another point that stood out to me from Chris's message last week was that when we come before God one day, the only judgment will be whether we believe or not believe. You remember? Yeah. We spoke about that. It is all, God is not going to ask you a hundred questions about what you did in your life. Did you go to church? Did you do this? Did you do that? He's only going to ask you. Did you believe in me? He's not even going to ask you that because he knows who believes in him. No? It's just, were you born again? Do you have my spirit or do you not? Amen. This might be a bit of a depressing thought that I'm going to share with you now. But imagine you know uh, that you are going to die in five minutes. <laughs> imagine for a moment. Okay. Imagine for a moment you are going to die in five minutes. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. What would be going through your head with regards to your salvation? Would you be ready? What would you be thinking if you were to die now in five minutes? Think about it for a moment. Oh Lord, I have always tried my best to live a good life. Oh Lord, I went to church every Christmas and Easter. Eh? What, what is going through your thoughts? Would you be relying on your performance? Would you be wondering, have I done enough? Would there be fear and doubt? Eh? If you were to die in five minutes... What would be your thoughts with regards to your salvation? 
whether you'll be in eternal life with Jesus or not. Matthew 7 verse 21 says, Matthew 7 verse 21 Matthew 7 verse 21 Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. That sounds a bit hectic. <laughs> that verse has caused many people to sweat a bit. Eh? Here we see some people who are pointing to all their own good works. That is why Jesus says, get away from me, because I never knew you. They were pointing to their own performance. In order to enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus rejected them. After saying that only those who do the will of the Father. Will enter. No? What does that mean? To do the will of the Father. On an earlier occasion. Jesus was speaking to some people who were following him. Uh, some of his disciples. Uh, in John 6 verse 28. John 6 verse 28. We are going to look at what is the will of the Father that, that Jesus is talking about here. Only those who do the will of my Father will enter the kingdom of heaven. What is it that we need to do? John 6 verse 28 says, They replied, We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, This is the work God wants from you. Believe. Believe in the one he has sent. Amen. What God wants us to do is to believe in Jesus. Amen. 1 John. 1 John 3 verse 23. That's in close to the end of the, in the back of the Bible. 1 John 3 verse 23 says... And this is His commandment. No? You're saying it clearly here. This is His commandment. Once again. We must believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And love one another, just as He commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments, remain in fellowship with Him, and He with them. And we know He lives in us because the Spirit He gave uh, us lives in us. Yo, that's very encouraging. Huh? We know He lives in us because the Spirit that He gave lives in us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with Him and He with them. Obey which commandment? 
What is the commandment that we need to obey? But you guys are right. It is to believe, ne? Believe. The commandment to believe. It says so clearly, and this is His commandment. We must believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Love is going to be the effect, the outflowing, the fruit of believing in Jesus. Amen? Relationship with Him. Those who obey God's commandments, believing in Him, ne? remain in fellowship with Him and He with them. It is when we believe that we are in fellowship with God and God is in fellowship with us. That's beautiful. To believe in Jesus for salvation means that we fully and completely rely on what Jesus did for you. To know that nothing you ever did, right or wrong, has any influence on whether you have eternal life or not. Nothing can be added to what Jesus has done on your behalf to save you. Let's say, nothing can be added. Nothing can be added. Nothing can be added. Amen. To what Jesus has done for you. Amen. You don't have to add anything. The picture I get is someone doing a trust fall. Who knows what a trust fall is? Yes. It is when I stand like this, someone else is standing behind me, and I am trusting the person behind me to catch me. It is called a trust fall. It is to see if you trust the person behind you. And then you just fall over backwards. <laughs> and then the person behind you, if he is trustworthy, ne? if he is trustworthy, will catch you. Ne? Salvation is doing a trust fall into the arms of God. That really shows it's important who do you trust, do you truly know who you're trusting in. Yeah, absolutely. You give completely over. It is all Jesus. We can't save ourselves anyway. Can you catch yourself if you do a trust fall? No. No. You need to trust the guy that is standing behind you, no? I don't know if we should do a trust fall now. I wanted to do one, but I don't trust myself to catch someone else. <laughs> okay. Amen. Just trust God, yeah. Only trust God. <laughs> when we close our eyes for the last time, we can have complete trust and joy. Like Philip said, hallelujah, we can praise God. Because death is only stepping from this world into His. Amen. Amen. We can be completely at ease knowing that what Jesus has done was enough. We do not have to fear death. When you, when you, if you were to know that you were going to die in five minutes, you can relax. You can relax completely. And you don't have to worry about, have I done enough? Because it's not about what you have done, it's about what Jesus has done. Amen? Alright, so let's go to Romans 2.
verse 1, Romans 2 verse 1. This is still what uh, uh, Chris has shared about. But we'll get to Romans 2 verse 17 soon. Okay, so here in Romans 2 we see Paul speaking more to the Jewish believers. In chapter 2 verse 1 we read, You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. And you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. So we can hear that he has shifted his attention from one group of people, the Gentiles, to whom he spoke more in uh, Romans 1. He shifted his focus and he is now speaking to a more of a Jew Jewish uh, audience. Because we remember that the book of Romans is written to both Jews and Gentiles. No? Um, okay, so now he turns to talk to the religious person who thinks he is good because he has the law. He's been going to church all his life. He's thinking, I'm better, I'm okay. I'm at least not as bad as my neighbor. No? Paul is showing that everyone is under the power of sin and death and in need of a savior. Crystal looked at Romans 2 verse 1 to 16, so we will continue in Romans 2 verse 17. Okay, so I'm going to read for you from Romans 2 verse 17 to the end of the chapter. That is what we are going to talk about today. <coughs> you call yourselves Jews. Uh, sorry, you who call yourself Jews are relying on God's law, and you boast about your special relationship with Him. Uh, you know what He wants, you know what is right because you have been taught His law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it is wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? Are you so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it? Oh, sorry, you're saying you are so proud by, of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say, the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. And if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law, but don't obey it. For you 
are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. Amen. 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 That is the scripture that we are going to look at today. <clears throat> okay. Romans 2 verse 17. Let's just read it again, that first part. Romans 2 verse 17. You who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law. And you boast about your special relationship with Him. You know what He wants. You know what is right because you have been taught His law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Okay, so these verses show us clearly that Paul is talking to the Jewish believers, no? or to the Jews in the audience. But just because we are not Jewish doesn't mean it cannot apply to us today. No? This can apply to any religious churchgoer. Yes, we are Christians living thousands of years later, no? but as children, we, were we not always also taught the law of God? No? You were taught about the Ten Commandments when you were in, what, kids' church? Eh? To some degree, we have also had the law taught to us. There are churches who are very deep into laws about what you must wear, how long your hair must be, that you must wear a tie or wear all white or whatever, you know? Yeah. When, when to stand, when to sit, yeah. what you may eat and what you may not eat. Mm -hmm. And they are very proud of themselves about that. No? Mm -hmm. Verse 19 and 20 stands out to me. It says, we are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. That is what we should be. No? Yeah. That is what we can be. That is what we are if we are believers in Jesus. No? Mm -hmm. We are a light for people who are lost in darkness. But not because we keep laws. Because we have relationship with Jesus. We relationship with Jesus no? Not because we go to church every Sunday. But because we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And we carry the gospel. That is why we can be a light to the world. That is why we can teach the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. Ignorant just means you have a lack of knowledge. What is this for me? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Um, Romans 2 verse 21. Well then... If you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, 
but do you still? Romans 22, uh, 2 verse 22. You say it is wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry. That's after But do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. Here Paul is showing them that they are just as guilty as the Gentiles, no? that we saw in, uh, in uh, Romans 1. He is hitting them with the law. Okay? He is using the law for the purpose that the law was given. And when I say the law, I'm not talking about the first five books of Moses. I'm talking about the Ten Commandments and all the other laws. No? What is the purpose of the law? We looked at that, I think, in the first message. What is the purpose of the law? Anyone remember except for Rita? <laughs> why, do we, why would we ever give the person a law? The law. Yes. Amen. It is very simple, guys. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm not asking trick questions here. No? Galatians 3 verse 19. Galatians 3 verse 19. It says, Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. No? But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. Who was that? Jesus. No? So we see here clearly the reason why the law was given. It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. So Paul is using this tool of the law now to show these self-righteous Jews in this church to whom he is writing that no, you are also guilty. You also have sin. No? The purpose of the law is to make you realize that you are not as good as you think you are. It is to make you say, God, I can't keep your law. I am unable to do this. I need a savior. Verse 24 says that the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. Paul is saying that the way you live is causing people to think less of God by your actions. What actions? Paul is referring to their hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? That's a big word. What is it? What does it mean to be a hypocrite? Hypocrite is a, a Greek word that is, means that you acting something, it's an actor. Yeah. Because you pretend you are good, yeah. but you behind I'm good and holy, but actually you acting it. You're not really good. Yeah. You're fake. Fake. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're fake. <laughs> Wait, say, Lucy. Yeah, you're fake. <laughs> Okay, so it is acting like you are holy, acting like you are better than everyone else, judging other people, but at the same time you do the very same things. They don't practice what they preach. No? That is something that has done much damage to how the world sees the church and Christianity and Jesus at the end of the day. No? I have heard many times how children reject Christianity because Sundays at church 
mom and dad is all hallelujah, praise the Lord, happy, clapping. But at home, it's a different story, you know. Hypocrisy is what Paul is standing against here in Romans, what he is pointing to. Um, the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you, because of their hypocrisy. They preach, do not steal, but they themselves are guilty of the same sin. No? Do not commit adultery, but they themselves commit adultery. Okay, so Paul is coming against hypocrisy here. And that is why he says, the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you, because of hypocrisy. Luckily, there's no hypocrites here, no? Romans 2, verse 25. Such a good word. Huh? They are too good hypocrites. <laughs> Romans 2, verse 25. Says, the Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. Remember what we said about obeying laws? If, what is God's law? What did He command us to do? Believe. Keep that in your mind as we read this, okay? Romans 2 verse 25. Okay, I read that. <clears throat> so to understand what Paul is talking about, it might be useful to understand what circumcision really means. The physical ritual or sign of circumcision is a shadow of the spiritual reality. Okay? It is pointing to something else. Okay? When physical circumcision is performed, something is cut off. And that is all that I will say here this morning about circumcision. If you don't know what circumcision is, go ask an, uh, your parent or an older person. They will explain to you, but don't ask me. Okay? After church. After church. Okay? But it is a sign... It is something that is cut off. Okay, so Deuteronomy 30 verse 6. We see uh, the sign of circumcision was given to Abraham. We're going to learn about this as well later in Romans. But circumcision is given to Abraham before the law was even given. Okay, but we read in Deuteronomy 30 verse 6. What God's heart behind circumcision, this physical sign is actually about. Deuteronomy 30 verse 6. It says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. So long ago when the sign of circumcision was given, God already God had already given it a true and deeper meaning. That is why He gave it. No? The Jews forgot about this meaning. Okay? And they held on to just the ritual, the sign. And we must guard against doing that as well. We must not forget why we are here. No? May church and may gathering like this never become a ritual. No? Just a sign, an outward thing that we do. Okay, But the Jews here that Paul was speaking to, they were holding on to the sign, okay, the ritual, the shadow, the practice. 
thinking that keeping the law is what makes them God's people. Listen to how Paul explains circumcision in Colossians 2 verse 11. Colossians 2 verse 11. I don't know if there's even church, are there churches today that still do that? Circumcision? Not the Christians. No. There are many traditional beliefs or people that hold on to um, circumcision. If you the Hebrews that keep doing it. Yeah, the Jews. The Jews do it. Yeah. Colossians 2 verse 11 says, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. A spiritual circumcision. That is what it's all about. Ne? The cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with Him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Colossians 2 verse 13 You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. Say, I am alive with Christ. I am alive with Christ. For He forgave all our sins. Say, all our sins. All my sins. Amen. All is all is weaker. All. All. What does all mean? All means all. Everything. Every last sin. Everything. Everything. Yes. Okay. So circumcision is a picture of being born again. Okay. It is a picture of what happens to us at salvation. The old sin nature is cut off. It is removed from us. It is buried with Christ. And it is a picture of Jesus removing your sin from you. No? Listen to this beautiful verse in Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36 verse 25. I don't know if you want to go there. I know some people have trouble finding Ezekiel in their Bibles. I do sometimes. I found it quite easily now, but Ezekiel is one of the prophets in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 36 verse 25. Just listen to these words. Ezekiel 36 verse 25. It says, then, it is God speaking to Israel now, no? through Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. Sure. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you, 
so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So Ezekiel lived about 600 years before Jesus came to earth. 600 years Ezekiel spoke these words. And he prophesied about how God would come to remove your filth. What does that mean? It is talking about sin. sin. Yes, he's going to wash away with pure water. He's going to remove our filth, taking away sin. And how God will put his spirit in us. The old heart of stone will be removed. It will be cut out. He's saying, I will circumcise your hearts. No? So the word circumcise, circum means circle. Okay? Circum means circle and size means cut. Okay? So it is circle cut or cut around. And so I just get this picture of God cutting out the old heart of stone, taking it out and putting His Spirit within you. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. And that new heart, in essence, is His Spirit. No? It's God's heart, God's Spirit. That's beautiful to me. And that's what happened when you believed the Gospel. When you believed the Gospel, God gave you a new heart. Do you believe that? Yes. Amen. We have to be convinced of that. Because many times the devil will come to us, especially if we are new believers, and he will say, Are you sure you're born again? Are you sure you're God's child? Then you must tell him, Go away. Laugh at him like Maki laughs at him. Tell him you're wasting your time to come and whisper in my ear, I am saved. God has performed an operation on me. I have His heart now. I have His Spirit. You cannot lose the Spirit of God once He is in you. Amen? You've been given a heart transplant by God. <laughs> and He sewed you up. There's no taking it out again. Okay? The Holy Spirit is God's seal on you. That you will be forever His. It's like a wedding ring. God has put a wedding ring on your hand, showing that you are His forever. So Paul is saying that the Gentiles obey God's law without being circumcised, physically. Okay, that is what he's saying here. The Gentiles obey God's law without being circumcised physically, and God calls them His own people. What do you think Paul means? Paul means that the Gentiles' hearts were truly circumcised, even though they don't have the physical sign in their bodies. The King James Version says um, in Romans 2 verse 26, it says, Therefore, if the uncircumcision, that is talking about the Gentiles, if the Gentiles keep the righteousness of the law, okay, so the Gentiles are keeping the righteousness of the law. They're not keeping the law. They're keeping the righteousness of the law. Shall not his uh, uncircumcision, which is the Gentiles, be counted for circumcision, the true people of God? And shall not uncircumcision, once again talking about the Gentiles, King James is very confusing. That is why I read the New Living Translation. 
But sometimes it does benefit us to go to the King James Version. Eh? Yeah. And shall not the uncircumcision, which is the Gentiles, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, the Gentiles fulfill the law, who by the letter and circumcision transgress the law. Okay, so that's very confusing. But Paul is not saying that the Gentiles were keeping the laws and thereby pleasing God. He was saying that they were keeping the righteousness of the law and they were fulfilling the law. What does it mean to fulfill the law? Thank you. <laughs> yes, we obey it, but we obey it by believing. You listened well. Well done. <laughs> like I said, Paul is saying that the Gentiles or anyone who believes the gospel are truly circumcised, born again, saved. Because we can fulfill the righteousness of the law without trying to keep a single commandment. You can fulfill the righteousness of the law without doing a single commandment. How? Faith in Jesus. We keep the righteousness of the law and we fulfill the law when we believe. If a person has the inward reality of true faith towards God, yet doesn't have the outward religious act of circumcision or baptism or some other ordinance like going to church, whatever you think you can do. No? The reality of, what, uh, of that which symbolizes them in the heart will make him or her acceptable before God. Amen. And then the final verse that we are looking at today, Romans 2 verse 28. Romans 2 verse 28. It says, For you are not a true Jew, just because you were born of Jewish parents, or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No. A true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. Is your heart right with God this morning? then you are a true Jew. <laughs> you can be Jewish too. <laughs> you can be Jewish too. By believing. Yeah. Sorry, you can also be Jewish. That's just a joke. But he says here... <laughs> yeah, God's people. Yeah, God's people. You God's people by believing. Yes. born physically. Yeah. And going through all the, the, the traditional stuff that they believe. No. no, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. The letter of the law, the laws. No? Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God and not from people. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Solaris Pass area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.